0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Yo, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about this.
2: Friday's Radio, I am your host, Letitia Wong. On air with me, let me turn his mic on, on air with me yep. is, hey,
3: Thomas,
2: how's it going? Yours,
3: Curly. I'm on the really loud and, buzz in the, yep, again, but I'm also in the I, middle of a liberal infestation, too. You're know so,
0: in the middle of a liberal infestation? Oh, yeah. no. Have you gotten out the camera?
3: I need yeah, so, how, uh, How's everyone doing tonight? I'm doing good, just riding the bus to my computer.
2: Wonderful. Hey, do we have our our, our Melissa with us for today? I'm here. Hi, everybody.
4: Hey.
3: <laughs> oh my goodness! Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> oh, who's that voice that I hear? That's a that's a very <laughs> unfamiliar voice. I
5: know, I've been MIA, it's been crazy, but um glad to be here.
0: Awesome. Yeah, okay, awesome.
2: So, um let us start our show with our scripture. And Thomas, will you do the honors? Or should I?
3: I shall.
6: All Deuteronomy
3: chapter right. thirty, verse nineteen says, I record this day. ...against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, so that you
4: and your seed
3: might live.
1: Dear Heavenly
3: Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Father, we thank you for an
7: opportunity... To um, we thank you for another opportunity to
3: uh, to get interrupted by loud noises while we're trying to give you honor. But Lord, we thank you that we are still able in the midst of interruptions and distractions to worship and honor you, Lord. So we thank you. For Melissa being back, Lord, we thank you for our show that is going to be a powerful show tonight, and we thank you for Letitia and Melissa, the two awesome women who make this show go. We give you glory, honor, and praise in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. And
2: then. All right, so, hey. Sorry have, about
3: that, everyone, but, you know, those are the winds of being on the bus. They had to announce yeah. that there was a fire somewhere on one of the routes. So,
8: Oh, dear.
2: Well, we hope that you don't get rerouted so. too uh, soon.
3: So, what do you got for us this week,
1: Leticia?
2: All right. Well, we have apologies, actually, for last week. I had called in. I called in right at 5 o'clock, for those of you who are wondering where I was. I did call at 5 o'clock. The problem is, it was 5 o'clock where I was, and there's a two-hour time difference.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, oops, one little detail. So I want to apologize for uh, missing the show, but I can tell you, I was right on time as far as I was concerned.
9: <laughs> so, um,
2: I want to welcome both of all. The trio is back today. We haven't been back together as a trio for a, quite a long time, but the good thing is we have built into our show today uh, just some extra time for us to discuss just what's been going on, and there has been so much stuff. Um, so I'll start with the biggest thing first. I'll start with the biggest thing, which has been the news has been just on fire about our possible country going to military airstrikes or bombings or whatever, or war, whatever you want to call it, with the country of Syria. Uh,
4: uh.
2: And and here's here's yeah. the thing. I mean, wherever you fall on this, nobody is on this side um, of the country, is supporting any type of military action against Syria. And you can give a litany of reasons that are are practical, incidental, about our relations with Syria, uh, but there is an ethical dilemma that some people have made, and so we're going to deal with that first. We're going to deal with that first, and then, you know, all this other stuff that's happening – the fact that we have we should not be poking our noses into other people's internal affairs can come later, because all of that kind of um, is background. I I take it as background noise to the real issue at hand. And yeah. how should people, how should pro-life people look at a possible war? Of course, nobody, nobody wants to go to war. Okay, this is just pretend. This is 2003, and all. Everybody had said that, oh, George W. Bush is a warmonger, warmonger, war warmonger, war monger, war monger, war monger. and he wants to go to war. It's somehow to do with his dad. I don't know. <laughs> nobody, I mean, that is just ridiculous as ridiculous comes. No president ever wants to go to war. Right. I don't even, I don't believe that, even though most of the wars, most of the major wars, have been fought by Democrat presidents, they're never accused of being warmongers, but suddenly if you have a Republican in office, you're a Well, again, we have a Democrat in office, and he's beating that drum. His administration is beating that drum as loudly, if not louder than any administration I have ever seen beat a war drum. But nobody's accusing him of being a warmonger. What? What is the justification? What is the justification? Here's here's I, this is where I okay I need to I need to stop and bring us up to speed with from last week to this week. This is Joe Biden. Let me call up the window. This is Joe Biden saying that how how sure the Obama administration is that Syria's president and his regime is responsible for chemical attacks on the people of Syria. And we have seen pictures of children who have been killed, and it's always about the children, and that will become relevant in just a moment. But it is about killing children, and we need to get involved because they're killing children in Syria with chemical weapons. And before I let Joe Biden speak on this, his uh, his assurances for us, I have a new theme song. I have a new theme song. I've been waiting so long to play this theme song for our president, our vice president, and I'm going to play it to you now because I love, love, love it. It is so it is so appropriate for him. And now, since I'm unable to skip ahead. You're going to have to listen to most of the whole thing. I will spare you the whole thing by cutting it off and letting you listen to the audio of our, president, our vice president speaking. But here it is. I love
8: it. I love
6: No doubt that an essential international norm has been violated. Violated. Chemical weapons have been used. Everyone acknowledges their use. No one doubts that innocent men, women, and children have been the victims chemical weapons attacks in Syria. And there is no doubt who is responsible for this heinous use of chemical weapons in Syria, the Syrian regime. For we know that the Syrian regime, the only ones who have the weapons, have used chemical weapons multiple times in the past have the means of delivering those weapons have been determined to wipe out exactly the places that were attacked by chemical weapons. And instead of allowing UN inspectors immediate access, the government has repeatedly shelled the sites of the attack and blocked the investigation for five days. At President Obama's direction All of us and his national security team have been in close touch with our foreign counterparts. The President believes, and I believe, that those who use chemical weapons against defenseless men, women, and children should and must be held accountable Oh,
2: the children, the children, the defenseless children. Here's where it is. We don't hear him saying anything, or the president for that matter, about the children here in the United States that are being killed at the rate of 3,150 per day. And here's the dilemma, one of many dilemmas for the Obama administration here. And for the American people who have to consider this. And I think it's a good thing that we do. The children that are being slaughtered and killed. You know those pictures that uh, were shown by uh, one of the news agencies? I believe it was CNN. Maybe, I don't know. Does anybody have that? CNN. I don't know if it's CNN. But I re- the the photo of hundreds of bodies, literally, lined up side by side with the weeping child standing above them uh, is not a picture of Syrian children. It is a picture from 2003
6: in Iraq.
2: Now, there are so many parallels, interestingly enough. Number one... The Bush administration uh, Had the intelligence that they had So but people had said Oh Bush lied so people died So we can attribute every child Who died in Iraq As a result of George, George W. Bush's actions Well uh, If that was The intelligence that he had received Was considered to be false Then what is the intelligence And the photos That are have been proven to be false that this administration is now standing behind it's been It's been proven false today, not after the fact, but today, and yet we are still hearing from this administration that they want to take military action, and not only that uh, they're using children the death of children as a pretext now uh going back to the fact that we have 3,000, over 3,000 children per day killed here in the United States, far be it from don't you think we ought to leave that alone in Syria so that the people of Syria don't have to be further punished with a baby.
5: Yeah, where does this this moral high ground come from?
2: I I don't know. I can't see it. It must (laughs) be so high. It must be so above my pay grade. Not that I'm paid anything. (laughs) So far above my pay grade that I can't even yeah. see it. It's down. It's up on Mount Olympus, I tell you.
5: <laughs> wow. Wow.
2: So, uh, <laughs> so here's here's the here's the um the evidence where the evidence really lies. The Syrian rebels. It, the intelligence shows the in- Syrian rebels are the ones that are using. Chemical weapons. It has been infiltrated by Al Qaeda. Uh. All the eyewitnesses that have come forward to talk about it do say it is not the Assad regime, it is the Al Qaeda jihadists that are using chemical weapons. Now, where did they get those? I have my little theory. And indeed, one uh, one news source yesterday that I called up backs that up. These were oddly enough weapons that are <clears throat> about ten years old or so. so, maybe a little older. Guess where they came from? In the direction of <coughs> Iraq. Uh, sorry, Iraq. And. Which begs the question, if they got it from the direction of Iraq, then George W. Bush wasn't wrong about Iraq possessing mm. chemical weapons now, this is all speculation, of course, because I have some pretty liberal friends that'll just they'll send me to Wikipedia, you know, for my own good, and show me that the Iraq intelligence group. Had said, no, 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 there were no WMDs. There were no WMDs. There were no WMDs. Of course there weren't. Do you think that Saddam Hussein would have left them lying around while the UN Security Council, UN, uh, yeah, I guess it was the Security Council, had debated for months whether or not to send weapons inspectors into Iraq?
4: Hmm.
2: Yeah. I don't know. If if I were an Iraqi dictator, what would I do? Hmm. Besides crawling a hole. Uh, so there's that. So, but and then so, but today, even today, John Kerry, John McCain, and Joe Biden assist, insist that it is the Assad regime that is attacking its own people with chemical weapons. You know, this is this saw, has the the hallmarks. Mm-hmm. Of a very terrible situation First of all We are blaming the wrong people Second of all The the source of chemical weapons as I said Is not well known And it could be Because they're being used by terrorists It could be black market arms from Iraq Third, Thirdly Russia is sending Russia and Iran Are weighing in on this Now you know this is serious When uh Iran, which is one of the countries in the axis of evil, is peeking over the fence at this war and saying, well not only peeking over the fence, they're they're waving their their flag and their weapons and in, in everybody's faces saying if the United States attacks Syria it will attack it will attack Israel. And if we attack Syria, the Russians who have a naval base in Syria, because they're allies, will certainly get into this conflict, thus starting World War III. Oh, jeez. The 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 president that presided over World War II is a Democrat, and the president that will preside over World War III is also a Democrat. What is the common theme here? For a party that seems to be so anti-war and supportive of anti-war efforts and calling Republicans warmongers, We seem to have a lot of war happening on the Democrat side of things. Mm -hmm. The only appreciation I have for the entire week that has up to today is that John Kerry is having a Colin Powell moment. And I don't think it will last long, so even though it's brief, I enjoyed it. (laughs) Because the media is helping him push this along. They're not going to let it rest. They're not going to let people let let people understand and let it sink in that John Kerry is having a colin towel moment. They're gonna they're just going to usher us right by and say nothing to see here, move along, move along, nothing to see here. Uh, but unfortunately, everybody is paying attention. I guess maybe fortunately, everybody is paying attention. The entire world is paying attention. And right. this time, you know, I, I really know that. This this issue has come back to bite the liberal Democrat leaders um, in the country in the rear end. We have Nancy Pelosi for crying out loud on on national TV. This is unbelievable to me. I'm not going to play the audio because I oh this is the one where she calls herself. Um, she's talking to her grandson. She's Mimi Pelosi. And she's Mimi, and she, she's trying to provide the apologetic for going to war with Syria against her five-year-old grandson, who says, I don't think we should go to war, Mimi. And huh, she's making that. the case. She's <laughs> making, oh, oh, okay, I guess I need to find it, because it is precious.
5: You have it completely is, that one.
2: <laughs> okay, while well, I look that up. Uh, we'll go on and say that that we have every we have Republican leaders and we have we have Democrat leaders trying to make uh-huh. the case that we ought to bomb that we ought to bomb Syria. Uh-huh.
4: Um,
2: so so for so aside from the political ramifications, what's the uh-huh. what what is I mean? Let me tease out the fact that it's. This is all about chemical weapons. So we can. So the international community somehow, because we're going to look bad, as Obama had said, it's it's our reputation, it's America's reputation, not his reputation. America's reputation. You know, I, This is this is getting really intolerable. Where he separates himself from the rest of America, so he's not America's president. It's not his fault. It's not his red line. It's not his his reputation on the line. The Ethical Dilemma About Chemical Weapons, I stand with the international community at this point and say, yes, we do not allow countries to use chemical weapons because that is that is by far a crime against humanity. But a country, as the evidence shows, is not using chemical weapons. They're terrorists. I don't see any I don't see personally I don't see any benefit to the world why we ought to get involved in that and deal with terrorists who are launching chemical weapons it's It's about as useful as making a law saying that terrorists aren't allowed to fly jumbo jets into skyscrapers. Somebody go make a law and see how well that works. Because if terrorists are going to get their hands on powerful weapons, they are going to use them regardless of whether we wag our finger just at them or not. And bombing a country on false pretenses just to try to get, to make the point that, oh, we don't allow chemical weapons to be used, it makes about as much sense as gun control in Chicago. So here's the, uh, here's the clip for Nancy Pelosi. And if, it, if there's a
9: if there's an ad, I will try to skip over it. Okay. 100%. Hold on. It's queuing. Here we go. I myself, uh, I'll tell you this story, and then I really do have to go. My five year old grandson, as, as I was leaving San Francisco yesterday, he said to me, Mimi, my name, Mimi, war with Syria. Are you yes, war with Syria? No, war with Syria. No, he's five years old. And war, he's saying war. I mean, we're not talking about war. We're talking about uh, an, an action thing. But yes, war is here and no war is here. I said, well, what do you think? He said, I think no war. I said, well, I generally agree with that, but, you know, they've killed hundreds of children there. They've killed hundreds of children. And he said, five years old, But these children in the United States? And I said, well, no, but they're children wherever they are. So, uh, I don't know what news he's listening to or who he's listening to, but even if. It has to, uh, you know, with the wisdom of, of our interests, well, how does it affect our interests? Well, it affects our interests because it was, it uh, again, outside the circle of civilized behavior, at least. Uh, uh,
2: uh, uh, oh, oh, I, yeah, dance a little faster. So, there's a lot we can talk about that. First of all, um, Nancy Pelosi was asked, this was an answer in regards to a question about whether or not she supports a possible war in Iraq. And so she answers by referring to her five-year-old grandson. And, And good for grandson because grandson knows that he doesn't like war and is holding to it. And what's her rationale for going to war? Well, hundreds of children. Again, the children, hundreds of children. Are, have been killed And he says something very insightful Are they American children And she says well, well no Well no they're not But but children are children anywhere Oddly enough We say the same thing they're, Children are children Whether they're in Syria Or whether they're in the womb But of course If you're six inches away from breathing oxygen. You're obviously not included in this circle
0: of uh what did she call this? Inside the
9: civilized behavior.
0: Sir, it's inside the circle
2: of civilized behavior. So it's okay to dismember children in the womb, but it's not – but it's outside the circle of civilized behavior to use chemical weapons in Syria. Hmm. What do you think?
4: Right,
0: did I, oh Are you talking <laughs> I to – <laughs> I was wondering, did I, did
2: I lose my co-host here?
5: Yeah. Go ahead, Thomas, and then I'll drop in.
3: Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm, where can I even start? Well, I just got one statement about Nancy Pelosi. Uh-oh. She's an idiot. That's all. <laughs>
2: We need to get you a T-shirt that has blank is an idiot, and then you can <laughs> wear that T-shirt and just fill it in with whoever's name happens to tr- bring that brings to
0: mind.
3: <laughs> yep. You know. And then on back it say that's all. <laughs> um, but on the serious tip, you know what, Letitia, you you really, really um, hit on on something profound. And you stated it earlier. The hesitation for the Obama administration going to war is because the United States actually has the intelligence of who actually dropped the, um, the chemical weapons. If you yeah. if you remember if you remember, think about this for a minute, you really haven't heard much from the UN inspectors since they've left Syria. Do you wanna know why? Tyler, Do you wanna know why? Sure, the reason I why is because they found the evidence of the chemical weapons. In the tunnels that the Syrian rebels were using, not the Syrian army. Nah, uh-huh. that's a lie.
2: Yeah, we we even have eyewitness testimony of of rebels that were not Al Qaeda being told to handle weapons they had no idea were um, exactly. chemical weapons, yes. exactly. and it ended up harming a few of them. And they're like, and I tell, had no idea. Tell
3: everyone who gave them to them. Right. Tell them, tell them who gave them to. Who? Them. So, you say it. Oh, you you didn't, you don't remember from the article, the interview in the oh. article was in World Net Daily. They were given mm-hmm. the weapons by Saudi Arabia.
2: Oh. And here I'm making the case, here I'm I'm speculating that some of them came from Iraq.
3: They all came from Iraq See this is This is where the United say, oh, States You said to Iraq, Iraq right Huh
2: You didn't say Iraq oh, You said Iraq right go ahead.
3: go ahead sorry Go ahead Leticia
2: No I, I asked you You said you Iraq
3: said, not Iraq oh, right Yeah uh, <laughs> Iraq Iraq no. <laughs> however you pronounce, however you pronounce the name of the country, either way it goes, they came from Iraq. Iraq and see that whole time when President Bush was um, acquiescing to the, um, you know, the UN. See Saddam Hussein, and I found this out from another radio show I was on on Tuesday. Saddam Hussein did not even know that he still had chemical weapons because he thought he thought uh, well he thought he well he didn't know that they had been destroyed. He still thought that he um, had chemical weapons, but some of the scientists destroyed some of them, and the others were moved. Because see, here's the dirty little secret that. President Bush fell on the sword for. Her. As much as liberals want to still say it was about oil, it was never about the oil. It was about the weapons of mass destruction in right. material that could be used to make weapons of mass destruction.
2: Absolutely. You know what that it,
3: material
0: is of- Yep. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was, no, I was
5: going oh, to the say war God. were about it, Go ahead. No, go, go ahead, Letitia. I'm going to add to what you say. Go ahead. I was just going to say
3: if
2: the war were about oil, where is it?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: is bang, it isn't
5: showing bang. up here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but all of a sudden, all of this this um concern, um when again, <laughs> We were equating, uh, or the liberals rather, were equating the war. Um, they didn't see uh, these chemical weapons and weapons of mass destruction as a threat. Um, you know, years ago when, you know, when President Bush was in office, they, they completely um, uh, thought it was just uh, a non existent threat. And here we are right. sometime later with the Democratic president and everyone's up in arms. So, what is going on? what you know why, he the, why to
3: to per- the flop he has to protect his interests the muslim brotherhood and that's
5: you know and, right. and that's yeah. another another concern even regarding the um the persecution of christians in syria i know we i don't know if we talked about that yet but uh we uh,
4: will we, we'll move army. right along
2: into that oh okay right well, yeah the, we're just we'll just the, move rebel, right along yeah let's hit that
3: Finish.
2: Absolutely. I'm so, so, finish what you were going to say. Yeah, I was just going to say, um,
5: in terms of of the rebel army that we're going to be um, coming alongside, supposedly an army, uh, they're the same people who are slaughtering Christians, uh, you know, up and down uh, in Syria, and yet nothing has been has been said about it. Nothing, no intervention, no humanitarian aid for the Christians in Syria. Yet, when Muslims kill Muslims here is this international effort of the United States jumping in to save and and to rescue and to do something. And what, all we're going to do in this instance is give um, the rebel army more more weapons to kill more Christians and to also attack Israel. Right. And um, I don't see how people don't see this.
2: Oh, they see that. Uh, But they're not going to say anything, because to say anything would be to contradict the narrative of the Obama administration and also of senior leaders in the Senate. Let's take John McCain, for instance. He got a beating. He got a brow beating uh, earlier this week in a town hall where a woman who is of Syrian descent, she is from Syria, stood up and made her thoughts known about not wanting to engage in any military action in Syria, and this is her impassioned
0: plea. Hi, Senator McCain. My name is Jamana, and I met you years ago, and I've always been a loyal supporter of you. I've always been a loyal supporter of you. the, The point is, there is a good option to what could happen in Syria. For me, to listen to you saying there is no good option, I refuse to believe that. The good option right now is to take Saudi Arabia and Iran and force them to stop supporting the, the, the two sides in Syria and you could do it. You can do it by nego- by diplomacy and negotiation, not bombs, Senator McCain. We cannot afford we cannot afford to shed more Syrian blood. Personally speaking, I have a cousin who is eighteen years old just was killed 10 days ago by the so-called rebels and Al-Qaeda. And they're not Syrians. They're coming to Syria from all over the world to fight this. We cannot afford to do that. We cannot afford to turn Syria into another Iraq or Afghanistan. I beg you. My family is there. There's so many big Syrians. The majority of the Syrian people want to save their country. And you need to also listen to the majority of the American people who do not want you to go there. <laughs> this is this is not an issue that we could take so lightly, Senator McCain. Enough is enough. We do not want another engagement in the Middle East. We don't want Al Qaeda to take over. We don't whether you like whether you like Bashar al Assad or not, I am not a fan either. But least he has a secular government going on over there it is secular Senator McCain we are a minority over there we are the minority Christians who are unfortunately by you and so many in the Senate are just considering us as collateral damages and I refuse to believe that I refuse that because I could trace my family's wings to the Bible we were there prior from the beginning of the humanity we were there and we need the free you to be forced to leave and flee and do consider collateral damage.
7: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your passionate plea. Thank you for your very compelling and emotional statement. And uh, all I can tell you is that I, too, have been to Syria. I, too, know the people who are fighting there. I met them. I know them. And I know who they are. And I know Syria well enough to know that it is a moderate nation. It is not a nation that will embrace these foreign fighters.
2: Oh, he knows. Now, the the our audience does not have the benefit of seeing the video of this. But while this woman was nearly crying as she's pleading with Senator McCain to drop his support for military action, uh, he was not looking at her at all he was smiling out of the corner of his mouth he was smirking at her the entire time uh i don't know how you can have a woman who stands up in your own town hall meeting from the very country that you're trying to persuade america should be bombed telling you that she has family there she does not want it's going to turn out badly for her because her family is christian and turn around and say, and have the audacity to say, "Well, I know the people in Syria too, and they'll never embrace radical Islam." Egypt. Uh-huh. All I gotta say is Egypt. Uh, an engagement in Syria is going to turn out for Christians. Egypt 3.0. And that that is a very rea- that is a reality that cannot be ignored.
3: Um, look, Tisha, I'm not so sure about that one, and I'll tell you why.
0: Okay,
1: good.
3: The Bible talks about in the book of Revelation Damascus being wiped off the face of the earth. So I'm kind of thinking that if people get to going crazy, Damascus will no longer be, be in existence, you know?
5: Well, did you guys read the, uh, the the stories out of Iran today about um, uh, the leaders threatening to uh, uh, hunt down every member of the – if we go to war um, with Syria, their uh, Iran officials uh, threatening to kidnap and murder uh, members of our uh, congressmen's families and rape uh, President Obama's daughters and take pictures and this sort of
3: thing?
2: Oh, yeah, I read that. <laughs> Now,
3: I did not.
8: Is, I, right,
3: right. I, I did not read that. But let me tell you something. The moment they did that, I, I tell you what, I would feel very sorry for Iran because then yeah. the United States, oh my gosh, just one nuclear ballistic submarine, they would turn Iran into glass. I'm telling you, they and I'll, would. I agree run, with
5: that. I agree with Ooh. that. I just I feel like, but I feel like what we're doing though by by advancing in Syria is we're trying to bypass dealing with Iran, and right. still Bingo. Iran is they are Iran is is come out swinging. And I knew that this was going to happen. They're trying to bypass Iran, but it's not going to be able to happen. They're they're going to have to deal with Iran, and because Iran is Iran is supporting whether well, or not they want to admit it, Iran's supporting both party both sides of this conflict in Syria. So you Absolutely. have to deal with Iran if you're going to deal with it. If right. you're going, to, you can't just go in and stop with one side and, and claim to, you know, to have done some type of humanitarian effort when we know where the problem is coming from. But Iran has come out swinging, so we're going to have to deal with them one way or the other. That's
2: right. We will. And but the, the fact that this regime, this our American president, is pretending like we can isolate every incident that happens. And not have to deal with Iran Is he's he's living in a cloud He's living up on Mount Olympus oh, 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 oh. And and Dealing with this And I don't know what kind of money Or what kind of payoff he gave John McCain To speak this way And to support this Remember this is the guy John McCain was the guy That said um, we We shouldn't be waterboarding Because it will make things worse For our troops in Afghanistan Mm-hmm this is, John McCain was the one That soft peddled Interrogation tactics That were working I, I mean, people are like, oh, torture doesn't work Torture. Well, I agree, okay I'll agree that torture doesn't work Waterboarding is not torture Once for once and for all <laughs> Anyway, we can have that discussion Some other day, but Um uh, so John McCain has been kind of all over the map. So I, I can't imagine what he wasn't offered in order to support this this really ill conceived idea that we're going to take military action against Syria to the peril of Christians. And the reason why I say it's Egypt three point is you don't know what's going to happen. This is this is Damascus. I mean, we thought it was you know Lebanon has a place in the Bible too. Oh. You no. Know. <laughs> That didn't stop Beirut from happening And So What's happening in Egypt Is once that secular Military power That was keeping the peace This is the same thing that happened in Iraq by the way For good or for worse This is what happens in the Middle East When you allow radical Islamists To run the asylum Is they start killing Christians
0: So love them or
2: hate them These some of these dictatorial regimes have kept people alive that would otherwise have been killed by radical Hassani Muslims. Mubarak. Yeah, would... Hassani Mubarak.
3: Absolutely. Hassani Mubarak. He was actually he was a saying... U.S. ally. He was, he And he also protected Israel,
2: which the military is still doing I in Egypt. They are protecting Israel.
3: Yep. Yep. So, yep. See, here's the thing. Let me let me jump in for a minute. Here's the thing. The truth of the matter is this, I, and I know you guys know this, Israel is just being humble because, folks, Letitia, Melissa, don't you guys realize that Israel has between 500 and 1,000 nuclear weapons? Mm. Sure, I do. Yes, I do. I know um, that. Israel has enough nuclear weapons to turn the entire Middle East into glass. That's why, you know, that's why Iran is trying to get nuclear weapons because they want to counter Egypt, but or not Egypt, but Iran, or Israel. Sorry for the insults, to Israel. Anyway, I call them Egypt and Iran. Whoops, uh, God forgive me.
9: Anyway, so. Um,
3: Wow, I just have a question. Is our guest still coming on tonight? Absolutely, okay. what time six o'clock oh, six o'clock. <laughs> Darn,
2: You may text me your questions anyway um but the the point is well, why I say this is Egypt three point is that there has been zero protection, and there hasn't been a day since the the conflict in Egypt started, where the Obama administration has cared one whit about the Christians that have been killed and slaughtered and churches that have been burned and churches that have been attacked, you will not hear right. you have not heard anything anything zero about the humanitarian crisis that this President has praised, under under which the, the Muslim Brotherhood has ascended to power. And now that power struggle is fighting, and he is still backing the Muslim Brotherhood. Still. Even while they are attacking Christians and killing Christians, and I just saw today, many of those Christians are now fleeing the country. Where will they go? I have absolutely no idea. They can't go to Syria, for crying out loud. Where will Actually, they go?
3: Letitia, Letitia, here's the thing. Um, the, the Egyptian military, they're they're cracking down on the murder, murdering up the Coptic yeah. Christians. That's right. why... That's why you. That's why you haven't really heard anything else of what's been, of what's been going on, because uh, because they have they have clamped down. They've said enough is enough, and um, it's of the most powerful militaries in the uh, Middle East. You, do you, do you know who has the most powerful military in the Middle East? And I'll tell you in order if you guys don't guess. But do you know who's number one? I thought um, this. Is yes, Israel is number one, and it's and it's um, Egypt that's number two, not Iran. People think oh, people think right. Iran's all mm-hmm. that. The Egyptian no, military would wipe the ground with Egypt. I mean the e- oh. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. They would wipe they would mop the floor with Iran. They uh-huh. they would they would make um they would make um Iran into their four legged furry animal. That's what they would do to them. Because remember they have US weapon technology. And when mm-hmm. what it was what it was, and this is where, as in my in my opinion, this is where the president really, really showed his stupidity when the Muslim Brotherhood, world-renowned terrorist organization, organization out of which Al Qaeda was formed, when they lost power. President Obama got all indignant over that. He didn't say a darn word when Muslim Brotherhood when they crucified the Coptic Christians out in front of their headquarters. You guys remember mm-hmm. those pictures right That's, after yeah. they took? Well, no,
5: this crisis. I remember And um, Syria in particular, I mean, the, just the 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 amount of terrorism that the Christians are facing over there is just. It's, I mean, it's already bad, but it's so intense.
2: Right. It's
0: right. astronomical.
2: And I'm going to step out on a limb. Maybe I'm right. I'm going to hedge my bet too. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. But I'm going to step out on a limb and say it's probably because he doesn't care. And that's and that's right. Likely. No,
0: of course he doesn't.
2: Um, <clears throat> I, I mean I I really do believe, and somebody can quote me on this later. I will back this up. I will stand by it because I believe, I truly believe, that this president has a such an undisclosed anti-Christian streak to him that if it if it means that backing Al Qaeda diminishes the influence of Christianity in the world, he would do it. Oh, that's being so. I know that sounds so outrageous. It is, but it's not beyond the pale. Look at everything he's done in Egypt. Look at all the aid that he's given to the Muslim Brotherhood. There is no other explanation than that he wants to fit into his overall idea that the United States, which has largely been led by Christian people, largely our, our laws and our our foundational uh, principle, legal principles come from uh, Christian ideas, right. have to be toppled and replaced right. either by secular Marxism, with a deference to to, uh, to Islam, because because I think he's naive enough to think that that radical Islam would never be able to take over secularism. <laughs> oh, good, good, how good much history, history that. How, how much history <laughs> do we need to try it out to prove that isn't true? But I think he is just naive enough to think believe that. But whatever it takes. To diminish the influence of Christians and Christianity in the world, he would pursue, mm-hmm. because it's part of his ideal, ideology that Christian theology has harmed the world as it is. Christian theology has, has led the pilgrims across the ocean to, you know, illegitimately start the what would now become the United States. I mean, uh-huh. really, it's as radical as that, it is as radical as that. But we um, mm-hmm. let's. Let's move on (laughs) because uh, I've got some good news to share with you instead of some bad news. And then we'll talk about – if we get to it, we'll talk about at the end of our our show um, how Obamacare is now going to affect you for real. It's not theory anymore. But before we get to that, Nayral admits in a photo they released on Facebook to losing the war on abortion, sort of. So what hmm. they actually said was they posted a, a photo, which was a map of the United States, and it shows all the states in which abortion, they call it abortion access, has diminished, uh, starting with 20% or or less. And what they call it hmm. is how abortion access, the decline of abortion access, what this really means is how many abortion clinics closed Or stop performing abortions in the country. And in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine states in the country, it has decreased 20% or more. Mm. Awesome. That's phenomenal. That is phenomenal.
3: Yeah.
2: And um only in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight states was there no change. There was a slight uptick in exactly one state two states. One is in Nebraska and the other one is I believe it's Pennsylvania. No, not Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, that's right. Pennsylvania. Oh.
4: <laughs> well. Yeah. Oh, wait,
2: maybe oh, I was my wrong. I can't. It's a very hey, tiny hi. picture. <laughs> it's not Pennsylvania, but I'll
4: find out. They <laughs> we'll like
3: um, two awesomely wonderful co-hosts. This is, this is, this is. <laughs> <laughs> hello.
4: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, what okay. are you gonna say? Um,
3: I said hello, my two. Awesomely wonderful co hostesses. This, this, this.
2: Well,
3: hello. I am walking to the Plasma Center, and so I am going to put my phone on mute, and hopefully, they'll let me listen to the show at the Plasma Center on speakerphone with it turned down because I don't have an earpiece. But, you know, I'm taking reservations for a birthday present, you know, if y'all, if y'all want to. Anyway, ah. just
2: kidding. <laughs>
3: What
2: is I'm
3: magic- just not What you tell people? I, magic- a, I want an eight by ten picture of a of a Melissa, Devin, and little Eliana with their cute little round baby cheeks. That is like the <laughs> most. That's like the most <laughs> beautifulest baby that I've ever her, seen, and they are all her, beautiful. Her chubby but,
5: cheeks, huh? <laughs> that's what it her is. Hello. <laughs> <So, laughs>
3: She's a doll. But anyway, back
7: to the show. But anyway,
3: um I'll still be listening on mute, so if you guys have a have a like a comment, you shout out to me 'cause I'm I still got a little ways to walk before I get where I'm going. But uh
4: okay.
3: so I'm gonna listen to you guys do commentary the rest of the show. Okay. Sounds,
2: Sounds good. So. All right. All righty. See you later, Thomas. All
3: right. All
2: right. And so they, they called this the decline of abortion access, which really means 52 abortion clinics have closed across the country uh, since 2010. And so they're lamenting how not only are they losing their arguments for abortion, they're losing their ground game. And this is not in small part due to Pro-life laws that have been passed across the country, limiting abortion there and putting regulations on abortion clinics such that they were unable or unwilling to comply. And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we've even we didn't have testimony of abortionists who say. I don't care if I'm doing abortions under a tree, I will still do abortions, and then they close their clinics because they're not willing to comply with the regulations. Regulations Mm -hmm. that are the same as any surgical facility would have to comply Mm -hmm. with. So here we are with the naked truth that abortion clinics don't want to follow the law that everybody else has to follow. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, I mean, what does that tell you? about how they really care about the health and safety, you know, safe and legal and rare abortions. Of course right. they don't. Their actions speak no. louder than their words. Actually their words say we don't want regulations. <laughs> <clears throat> they actually say that and they have a powerful lobby to say that for them. Right. But when they're slapped when they're slapped with regulations, they choose to close rather than comply. Mm-hmm. Right, and so I guess that guy really does need to do abortions under a tree. You know, good luck with that. I'm sure somebody out there will take him up on that, <laughs> but don't yeah, but don't complain that it's not legal. Hello, and one day it will be,
5: yeah, unfortunately,
2: right, so I mean this I mean just to show that the abortion lobby. In this country, is losing, and they're losing big because people with consciences are speaking up. Mm-hmm. I um, I don't want to take us too far off course right now. I was just thinking about a debate that I watched between uh, Stephanie Gray of the Canadian Center for Bioethics and an abortionist. They had a debate over why why abortion really should be legal. What is abortion? and um, before I talk about that, uh let me get to my last talking point. If I have time later on in the show, I will talk about I will talk about the um, um the debate as well as the Obamacare mandate that is coming down. The last thing I wanted to talk about before we get to our guest is is um the news that Ariel Castro, do you remember Ariel Castro, who was the one who kidnapped three young women? held them prisoner as sex slaves for the last 15 years in Mm -hmm. his home. Uh, Amanda Berry and uh, the other two women, I'd have to scroll up to read all of their names. Um, Mm -hmm. He had a very short trial. I mean, talk about short. It was not long and drawn out. He pleaded guilty, I believe. And he was sentenced to sixty six. No, no, I'm sorry, that was something else. Nine hundred years in prison for his all his crimes. Well, he was found dead earlier this week. He hanged himself inside his his uh, cell, his prison cell. Uh, he was on suicide watch, and they happened not to catch him. So what? You know, whatever you believe. He should have lived. He should have died. It doesn't matter. I. This is how I theologically think of that. You know, he is meeting a judge that is going to be so much harder on him than any human judge ever w- could be, um, for what he had done, and for who he was. Um, so, you know, I don't think that Leticia. sometimes death is not the best thing for somebody. <laughs> Leticia. What. Yeah, I thought you were getting something done.
3: <laughs> well, I'm not there yet, but I have to jump in. That man didn't commit suicide. He was murdered. Why do you say that? Why do you oh, say I just that? Think somebody, I, I, just, I just think somebody found out what he did and they murdered him.
2: That's all. Well, the whole world knew what he was, what he did.
3: <clears throat> oh, I'm I talking mean, about in the prison. Yeah. I think they I think they let someone get to to 'em and then they they just covered it up.
2: Well, anything is possible. What do you think? Anything is possible. I if
3: Right. Or he probably did take the cowardly way out and commit suicide. So that's what cowards like that do. They do a lot of horrible things. You know, they do the dirt that they do, and then once they're done doing the dirt, then they they uh, take their own life like the punks they are. So that's my random well, that's, that's suicide. that's the official story, right? Well, that's the official
2: story that he did kill himself in prison. Um, and like I said, anything can happen, though, and I don't know. So um, So there's that. So i want let's take a short break and bring on our guests. We will be back in one moment. If you have a question, please call our number. It is seven six zero five four two three nine zero seven. We will be right back.
8: i am am ai am ai am am ai
10: Society can prevent those who are manifestly unfit from continuing their kind. Three generations of imbeciles are enough. I do not join in the belief that the African is our equal in brain or in heart.
11: We are paying for and even submitting to the dictates of an ever-increasing,
5: unceasingly spawning class of human beings who never should have been born at
10: all. The laws of nature require the obliteration of the unfit. The best way to hate a nigger is to hate him before he is born. American
9: eugenicists were routinely praising Hitler and holding up the Nazi eugenics program as a model for the United States to copy
10: Non-white races must be excluded from America. The red and black races, if left to themselves, revert to a savage or semi-savage state in a short time. The only way possible of decreasing Negro population is by means of controlling fertility birth control facilities could be extended relatively more to Negroes than to whites, since Negroes are more concentrated in the lower income and education classes.
7: We hope that the restraint of population growth can come about through voluntary means. But if it does not, involuntary methods will be
12: used.
9: There should be national sterilization for certain dysgenic types of our population who are being encouraged to breed, and would die out for the government not feeding them.
10: If this movement continues, we soon may be accused of fighting poverty by eliminating the poor and overcoming hunger by removing the hungry. For all their failures, what the eugenics movement had accomplished was to lay the foundation for the next phase of their plan. And this is where they would find the success that they had been chasing for over 100 years.
2: Let me turn my mic on, that would help And welcome back to Pro-Life Fridays Radio, I'm your host, Letitia Wong If you have anything you'd like to call and ask our guests or our host about, the number to call in is 760-542-3907 On the line with us today is Ashley Harrell from Black People Against Abortion And welcome to the show, Ashley
11: Thank you for having me, I'm glad to be here
2: Wonderful. So really quick, I know your time is short. Please tell us a little bit about your organization, Black People Against Abortion.
11: Absolutely. Uh, Black People Against Abortion is a grassroots organization that is based in um, our church, Church of Joy Sidewalk Sunday School out of Zion, Illinois. This movement came forth as for 16 years we've reached out and played an emphasis on children and teens But we began to be alerted to the crisis that's happening specifically in the black community as blacks lead in the abortions. And we began to do more and more research and find out that not only are we leaders, but we're leaders in a significant way based on our part of the population. The statistics are always pretty shocking when people, you know, really But even though African Americans make up only like 13% of the population, blacks account for almost 40% of abortions. And we understand that the fight for life is an ongoing fight, but we said, why do blacks have to lead? Is there a lack of awareness? Is there a lack of education? Is there a lack of care or apathy? So Black People Against Abortion is really a call to black men and women Black men are good fathers. Black women are good mothers. And it's time for the church to rally around these mothers and fathers and help them to raise their children, to let blacks know they do have alternatives to aborting their children. So that's really the reason we exist. We're just crying out for life, being a voice for those that don't have a voice, and helping a nation to understand black children are important, as any child is Mm -hmm. important. You know, many people might say, well, why just black people against abortion. What we're saying is if we're going to be leaders in abortion, we need to be leaders in those that stop it. We can't be apathetic Mm. and expect someone else to come to the rescue. We have to be able to look at a man or a woman who looks like us and identifies with our experience and say, you can do this. You can be a good mother. You can be a good father. And the child in your womb or the seed that's in this woman is important. Mm.
2: So I, I have a question. There, there's a lot of um, excuses, I guess, being made for why black people seem to be leading here in 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 obtaining abortions. More black babies are being aborted it. than any other demographic. Can you hear me? Sorry, can you hear me, Miss Ashley? Can you hear me?
11: Okay, I can hear you now.
2: Okay. okay. <laughs> Um black people seem to be in like you said leading the statistics in how how many obtain abortions. Um i there's been so many excuses being made that it's it's not because they're being targeted, it's not because they're being sold or anything else um that I've I've heard of but you know we just played the clip of Martha 21 where it she yes. seems pretty clear that the agenda to target the black community with abortion as a method of population control um, was set in motion so long ago. Uh, What do you tell people who are denying that that this exists, which is well documented?
11: You know, in 2010, the black population was just shy of 39 million, and at that time, 24% of the U.S. abortions were performed on black women. That percentage rose to 30% in the 80s, 34% in the 90s, 36% in in the 2000s. And here's what we have to see. 31% of all U.S. abortions since 1973 have been performed on African-American women. It's clear history tells that things like sterilization, um, mandatory contraception in communities of color that were receiving welfare benefits, all of those were strategic Mm -hmm. efforts to quench what was deemed an undesirable population and with that being the background it's not strange to see that over 70% of abortion clinics are placed strategically in black neighborhoods why is that the case there are more abortion clinics than there are learning centers There are more abortion clinics than there are centers that help women to understand how to do good parenting. That's a strategic effort by those that don't place a value on black children. It's interesting to note that even among those that are of minority races, blacks find themselves the target, the aim for the abortion industry. The reason even in the Chicagoland area, it is less expensive for a woman of color, a black woman, to get an abortion than it would be for her counterpart that is non-black. Things like that, disparities between race, help us to understand that there's a targeted effort. And many times when we address people from Black People Against Abortion, we don't necessarily harp on the numbers. We remind African Americans of the value of our culture. We remind them of the righteous and wonderful, talented, gifted men and women of color who've emerged, and we say, why? Why would we dare put our hands on the next generation? Why would we dare touching someone who could grow up to be a Ben Carson who could grow up to be a Maya Angelou, why would we touch that and tamper with that? We don't know the greatness that lies in the wombs of our women, so why do we have to lead an abortion? So we try to put a compelling case out there to say whether you understand the facts and figures of genocide and that argument, that's fine, but let's talk about the one child that can make a difference. So 25% of the black population on the low estimate has been taken, those lost lives, that lost income, that lost creativity, that has a detrimental effect on the black community, and that's undeniable.
2: Mm, that's a very good point. Um, so, what has what has your your response been um, when you stand out there? I know you have pictures on your website, blackpeopleagainstabortion.com. dot com. Um, what kind of dialogues do you get into? Because I know there's there's lots of people who stand outside with signs that protest abortion. What has been the response to you in particular?
11: Actually, that is only one part of what we do. The the picture that you saw were when we stood out um, on the 40-year anniversary of Roe v. Wade, and we stood out in front of the mm-hmm. Planned Parenthood Clinic in Wisconsin, and when women walked up, we simply told them, you can be a good mother, you can be a good father, don't kill your baby. And we offered them hope. We weren't being condescending, and our message really is to that woman. It's to that man. Sometimes Mm -hmm. there comes a point when they simply need to hear that they can do it because many times what's echoing in their minds are all of the obstacles, all of the barriers Mm -hmm. and all the barricades that make them think it's impossible. And so what we tell them is you don't have to plan the next 18 years of that child's life. Plan for the next day, the next moment. You have nine months to determine what you need in your life to get in order, who in your life can come alongside you. And what we do is we actually offer follow-up support. The other thing that we do beyond standing outside is we are reaching a young generation. Like I said, we have been reaching out to children and teens for 16 years. So what we're doing is we're telling 10, 11, 12, 13-year-olds about their value. We talk to them about abstinence and purity. We help them to see what their future can be. And so when we tell a young person, you have value, you're not valuable for when you give your body away. You're valuable for who you are, your character, your ability, who you are as a person. And we're finding out that we may not stop abortions in the black community with this current generation, but there's a generation that we can impact who will look at their future and say, I'm not ready for sex. I'm not ready for the consequences of sex. And we will have put in them a value that says, I want to wait for sex until I'm married. And then once they're in a loving marriage relationship, abortion will be the farthest thing from their mind. So we understand that we have to change a culture, not just a system. You know, it really doesn't matter what the laws are when the heart of a people changes.
0: Mm-hmm.
11: You know, right. what we what we do is really based out of the book of Malachi. It's biblically based, um, Malachi chapter 4 talks about the hearts of fathers being turned to children. So honestly in the black community, the loss of black babies is really loss of black fathers.
4: Right.
11: When there's not a father there to tell that teen that you should keep your child or you should not have sex or mm-hmm. a father's not there to tell that son you need to take care of your responsibilities by providing for that child or marrying mm-hmm. the person that you've gotten pregnant, when those fathers are absent, then there's a lack of regard for life. And we believe that according to the Word of God, He wants now fathers' hearts to be turned to their children. And when the hearts of the fathers turn to children, there's going to be a value on this next generation. And abortion isn't as much a legal issue as it's an issue of biblical morality where parents and fathers and mothers place a godly value on the generation that God has given to us.
2: Amen. So, Melissa, do you have any questions for our guest? I guess I guess my co-host is supposed to put themselves on mute. <laughs> so, <clears throat> excuse me. So, tell us a little bit about what um what you do. Um I know there's a lot of information on your website. Um and it, this is a ministry of your church. Um do you do you go into Uh, Schools, private schools, public schools Where do you reach your audience That you're trying to
11: We reach our audience As we we have an outreach to children and teens That brings in over 2,000 children and teens Every week So we're a constant message in front of them With families, with messages of life And character And biblical morality Where we're really able to send out the the message For life, valuing We're showing them, we value you and even if you were to get older, happen to become pregnant, or get, get a young lady pregnant, we value that child, and we're going to help you be the kind of mother that you need to be, whether your parents were there for you or not. The other thing that we do is we go to events that have high concentrations of African-Americans, black women's expos, church events. We go to youth groups, college campuses, anywhere that we can bring awareness About the value of children Not just black children but every child Mm -hmm. You know Many people just don't know And they don't think about abortion Until it hits their community Hits their home And what we're trying Mm -hmm. to do is say There has to be an outcry The blood of children continues to spill You know we live in the Chicagoland area And we've made it clear That the blood in Chicago Will not stop flowing in the streets Until we stop the abortions that are happening in clinics throughout the city. If we don't value life from the womb, right. how will we have a regard for the lives that are walking down the street, hitting us face-to-face? We won't. Mm-hmm. That callous heart right. will cause lives to be lost.
2: Right. Oh, absolutely. And so um, when you got, when you get a chance to speak with um, church audiences and people who attend church, have they been very receptive to to being made aware that they are really are disposing of the next generation has has have churches been eager to receive your message some you know you know blacks tend to be some of the
11: most religious people you know um because we have a strong heritage in the church a strong heritage of attending worship services but many times With religion, there can be a lot of pride. And that Mm. pride often is unwilling to admit that things in our community aren't quite what they should be. Many times, um, historically, large black families were common because of sharecropping and the farming and, and the establishment of families that understood the more people you have, the greater wealth you can build because of more earning power in your family unit. And many Mm -hmm. times in the black church, there has to be a breaking through of the pride. And even some of what Martin Luther King, Jr. dealt with was a breaking through of the apathy. Many times Mm -hmm. it's much easier to focus on the children that are here now than focusing on those that we quietly dispose of in abortion clinics. So it's been a tedious work of bringing this awakening, but it's one that we are not going to become weary of because we understand that as the church, there are two institutions that the Lord raised up to impact children and families. The first is the home, but the second is the church. So the responsibility mm-hmm. isn't far from us.
2: Exactly, exactly. So, what do you look for in terms of how does a community support what you're doing? How did you? I mean, you're focused mostly in Chicago, but I really see this as a potential for every community that has has. You know, a black community. Every city needs to have an effort like what you're Absolutely. describing.
11: Absolutely, we um, have are doing events all over the country. We're partnering with other organizations who may have an interest. We constantly receive calls and emails from people around the nation who are requesting the shirts and sending out the message in their own subtle way, whether they're part of a larger group or not. What we're willing to do is to go wherever we need to go to just bring awareness. We were recently on television there in Augusta, Georgia, in the Atlanta area. Um, we've been throughout Chicago Chicagoland area, Wisconsin, and really the message we are sending is one that we have a plan to send around the nation because there has to be an emphasis on the young up-and-coming generation. Their potential cannot be stifled. And I believe that as the church, we're charged to have a generation not only who knows God, but who knows how to honor him with a value for life.
2: Amen. You know what? I know know Thomas is listening, and he's probably got the same idea I do, is that we would love for you to be able to uh, bring your organization to a future pro-life conference and be able to bring your message and bring an audience, and we'll bring an audience to you, because I think your approach specifically to addressing uh, the black community is is um, it's, it's highly unique. Um, it's, it's not brain surgery because we've all heard this before, you know, instilling value in people, um, mm-hmm. bringing them to recognition of the, the, the value of life and the preciousness of life. It's, this is nothing new. But I think your approach is unique in the way that you – in, in the way that you approach the next generation. Um, and I'd love to see more of what you're doing. I would love to see, be able to provide, um, a, you know, a partnership effort in, in so far as giving you space to do it. That would oh, be that awesome. that would be great.
11: That would be wonderful. I'd love to talk more about that.
2: Awesome. Yes, we will. But I want to thank you. If, do you have any parting words? Because I know you have to get going. And um, so we'll let you go because I know you have something coming up.
11: I just want to thank you for the opportunity. Also, I just want to encourage you um, that your efforts for life are are not lost. Um, You know, I understand that many of us received Christ through one word, and it could be the one word that you all are sharing through this radio broadcast that help someone make a decision to preserve life. So I just am so thankful for you, and I just hope that all goes well and that your reach continues to expand and increase. And I just want to thank you for allowing Black People Against Abortion to to share today and then to encourage people to go to our website, www.blackpeopleagainstabortion.com. Awesome.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for coming on our program. Um, I don't know. I think my other two co-hosts kind of fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs>
5: oh, they're um, gonna get me! We're, we're just here. We're taking in all the good information. Thanks, thanks so much for being right. with us, Ashley.
11: Thank uh-huh. you. Okay, have a great day.
2: You have care. a good evening.
11: Bye bye. Bye bye.
2: And so, um, I think that was. I think that was awesome, Melissa. I mean, this is a small organization. They just started up maybe about two between two and four years ago. Um, and I met. I met Ashley. Didn't get the chance to this but that's okay. Um earlier. That I met mm-hmm. Ashley and a friend of hers in Chicago when we were uh when Thomas and I went to Chicago to attend okay. the pro life I'm sorry, the uh, press conference for Tanya okay. Reeves. Yeah,
4: and yeah, and we were just intrigued. I, I love we're the like oh, people
6: um
5: um just uh passion, it seems like they're very they're thinkers and they're really being strategic and very loving at the same time. I mean, I really, really love their approach.
2: Oh, I, I do too. I mean, I think it's, it's this is awesome. Like I said, this is this is nothing that anyone hasn't heard before, you know, this affirmation of life and yeah. affirmation of value. But I think um, speaking it in a way that really gets the heart of the issue. I mean, there's signs, the signs, the pictures, and you'll find this on YouTube, uh, the video of them heading out to an abortion clinic in the middle of the winter uh, with their signs. And, you know, there's not, they're not a group that holds up uh, signs with um, abortion photos, which I'm, I'm not against, mm-hmm. but that's not what they're about, what? Um, with the message. And the, one of the big posters that they have is that black women are good mothers. And, okay. I mean, I think that struck me because it must be, it must, for me to say it, because, Certainly I am not in that, that particular subculture. So it, it struck me as this must be an issue that women, girls are being told that they can't keep their babies they're pregnant with because they're not worthy of being mothers. Oh. I mean, is, is do you ever see that or hear that or is that kind of an unspoken thought?
5: Yeah, I think that there's there's that fear, you know. Um, unfortunately, in a lot of our black homes, um, there have not been uh, good father figures. Um, it's just mm-hmm. it is what it is. I mean, the statistics are clear on that, that, you know, um, uh, over 70% of, of black children are born into homes with no father. And so um, I think that that creates a situation where, um, you know, when when, when these uh children grow up to be become parents, even you know, maybe as teenagers or, or later in life, that there is this fear of, um, of not knowing uh, how to parent sometimes, and um, I think that, that that definitely is a factor. I think it goes way back to the family unit, and I'm so glad that um, Ashley and black, um, black People Against Abortion. I think, I, I think it's so important what they're doing. It, it looks like they're trying to deal with some of the root causes of the issue. Because I think that, that we sometimes don't do that as pro-lifers. You know, we just kind of deal with the symptoms of the culture. But um very glad to hear that they're going back to, you know, square one and trying to restore the whole family.
2: Wow. Yeah, I, I can read more about – I mean, it just seems to me that their approach talks talks about – and meets a need That I think needs to be articulated Because you know personally I don't know why it is That if black people Are targeted for abortion Why black people are buying Abortions I mean someone needs to explain that to me Personally so we can get to the root And the heart of the problem And a lot of it does have to do with with um, Fear of being unable um, Leaving the life That you're too young, you're too uh, you're too dumb, you're too whatever, you're too poor to have children. I mean, that's what it's been all along. I mean, the really the the source of of planned parenthood is believing that poor black women shouldn't have children because, mm-hmm. you know, they just they don't have children that end up being poor black children, which we we know for a fact that is not true. I mean, how many successful black individuals have come up from nothing, having nothing. I don't mean that they're nothing. Uh-huh. I mean that they had nothing as as young people, as children, and yet they were able to grasp onto the, just I don't want to be a cliche, but it is the American dream of, of getting the education that they needed and going on to be successful and being able to live out, uh-huh. um, uh, the success of being able to move themselves out of poverty, and I'm not saying that this is a this is something that people need to do by themselves. Certainly, uh, we as as a human community need to be helping, and certainly the church, definitely the church, needs to be helping. But this yeah, can be done. I don't believe I don't believe the lie that people. I mean, black people that are poor only get more black people that are black. poor.
5: <laughs> no, and if you look at the history of African Americans in this country. I mean, we have, a very, we have overcome a lot. We've overcome a lot of oppression. We've overcome Absolutely. a lot of adversity. Um, and so to, um, to make it seem as though we cannot overcome, you know, situations such as coming from single-parent homes or, you know, growing up in poverty or, or certain neighborhoods, is just ridiculous when you look at what um, our people have gone through
2: and overcome and achieved in such a short period of time in history. Absolutely, absolutely. I think the. I mean, we can go back in history and say that in the nineteen, in, in the nineteen fifties, in the aftermath of World War II, where this country was prosperous, that that rising tide did lift all boats, and with the with, with, um, the increased access to education, not abortion, there were more black families that were able to lift themselves out of poverty to actually be on economic poor par, I shouldn't say a par okay. with um the rest with the dominant white culture. <clears throat> I mean that is statistically there. And it wasn't until, you know, here I say we've got to stick it to the liberals to say, you know, they wanted to help out so much they ended up causing the problem they were trying to fix. I think. Okay. Um so i mean i think I think and, and abortion plays a huge huge role in diminishing the the empowerment of the black community. I really think that if you try to i mean people are being sold the, the idea that you can just get rid of your problems uh everything's gonna be okay. Well, I think that sets off a long term chain of events that keeps women from succeeding because i mean once we've gone over and over. The psychological effects And we've had people come on the, on our, our program to, to personally testify to the fact That an abortion literally changes a woman's life And not for the better Not for the better
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, So, you know, I, I really think that it's time That we kind of dispel this lie That, that abortion helps anybody It doesn't help anybody in mm-hmm. fact, it causes the opposite of what these abortion supporters claim that abortion will do. It doesn't help anybody. It actually makes your life worse. Mm-hmm. So, um, hey, I know you need to run, so I'm going to let you go. Yes, you know.
5: But uh, it's <laughs> okay. been an awesome show. As always, so glad to be back with everyone.
2: Yay. Mm-hmm. And say well, hello you to that beautiful baby you are. for us. Yay. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> awesome. Lots of
5: we'll hugs to you next
2: week. Week. for you guys. And, all right, Thank we'll be back next all right. week. All right. God bless y'all. See you later, Melissa. God bless. Bye. Okay. God bless. Bye. God bless. And we're going to return to uh, the commentary that I said it was going to do. And did you know we are less than 30 days away. If you have a job, if you are fortunate enough to have a job in the Obama Obama. Uh, administra- well, no, not to say the Obama administration This Obama econ- economy Or what I've been do- saying lately Is the abortion administration But the Obama economy that exists today Where unemployment is way over the 7% That he said would never reach above If we uh, passed the stimulus bills Once, twice, and three times But if you happen to Be fortunate to have Employment Uh, Congratulations starting next month You could very well be Paying for abortions Up front Not your abortion Of course Somebody else's abortion So here is a big Giant slush fund that has been set up In the fine print of Obamacare that nobody Hardly has ever talked about We've mentioned it a couple of times on this program, but you know what? We're just one show. It hasn't been mentioned very much anywhere else. But here's a video that I want to play for you uh, that kind of deals with that. And then an article that says it's on its way. Congratulations. This is what Nancy Pelosi said. You would find out. Once
7: we pass the bill, everyone likes a good surprise, but no one likes a bad surprise. So you're really not going to like the surprises you'll find buried in the 2,700 pages of this document. Did you know that with Obamacare, you'll have to pay for life-saving drugs, but life-ending drugs are free, 100% free. If this plan were really about health care, wouldn't it be the other way around? And did you know you may be forced to pay an abortion premium directly from your paycheck to cover all types of elective abortions? It's a dollar or more a month, which may not sound like much, but let's do some simple math. Say just half of American workers are forced to pay only a dollar each month. That's $924 million, all funneled into an abortion-on-demand fund each year. That translates to more than 2 million elective abortions that you have been forced to help fund. And did you know that Obamacare has a gag rule that forces insurance companies and employers to not tell you which plans include an abortion premium until the time you enroll? And did you know if you're an employer, Obamacare forces you to offer plans that comply with these mandates. If you offer insurance that doesn't comply, you'll be fined, really fined, to the tune of $100 per employee, per day. And if you offer no insurance at all, you'll still be hit with a $2,000 annual fine for every employee, forcing you to support life-ending procedures and drugs one way or the other. And guess who helped write all these mandates? Planned Parenthood, the nation's largest abortion provider. Big surprise, right? To ensure that Obamacare and Planned Parenthood don't throw a surprise party at your expense, Alliance Defending Freedom is on the front lines of this legal battle.
2: All right, all right. That's the uh, the commercial uh, for Alliance Defending Freedom that made the video. So, uh, if you did not know that this was looming over your head, imminently, it is now. Now, of course, this video was made back in 2012 or earlier, uh, but we have but it has taken people, for the, I guess, the better part of three years to comb through the fine print of Obamacare and. And tease out exactly what all these Obamacare mandates mean for employers. Now, this the, the mandate for contraception coverage, which includes abortion, uh, is the very type of thing that Christian-owned uh, business like Hobby Lobby is fighting, and they're going to take it up to the Supreme. It's going to end up in the Supreme Court. I can almost guarantee you that um, it forces people. Individuals and and businesses to partake of abortion, whether you like it or not, and whether you choose to opt out of an official employee-sponsored insurance plan or you go out and buy your own. Remember, this is Obamacare is an individual mandate, which means you, individual person, have. To purchase health insurance or pay a fine now, the fine uh, for not providing health insurance from an employer, the, the employer has to pay two, like I said two thousand dollars per person per year if it is, if the size of the business is under fifty employees, it does not have to provide insurance, but you, the individual, have to buy insurance. And if you, the individual, do not do not purchase, you do not purchase health insurance per the mandate, you have to pony up $2,000 per year as a penalty for not having health insurance. Now, uh, so this forces people to either pay the government through your insurance company to help, provide abortions or you're paying the government directly through the fee that you have or the penalty that you have to pay for not having insurance which the money that you pay in a fine in the fee or the penalty will go towards paying for abortions. so either way you are directly subsidizing abortions through your paycheck keep in mind it's not your abortions because A lot of men who don't have abortions They're paying for abortions anyway Not only are you paying for abortions For uh, the potential Girlfriend or wife Or whatever that you got pregnant And Wanted to pursue having an abortion You're also Paying for every Woman in America Who applies To be subsidized To have an abortion Now this directly in spirit goes against the Hyde Amendment In that Congress is law That's the law of the land I mean I've had so many people tell me And I've heard so many people comment on 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 television saying Obamacare is the law of the land we got to follow it blah, 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 blah. Well so is the Hyde Amendment But Obamacare is a technical way Around the Hyde Amendment It is breaking the law It is breaking the spirit of the law by calling this $2,000 per person per year penalty, not a tax. So this is looming on the horizon. It's actually not on the horizon. It is on your front doorstep. And the question is, what are ethical pro-life people going to do? That's a difficult one because we all want to have health insurance to cover our medical needs. Now, thankfully, if you are a Christian believer, there are options. You do have options. There are medical co-ops that you can join. It will meet the conditions for having medical insurance without uh, a dime being spent toward the National Flush Fund for Abortion and uh, the National Flush Fund for Planned Parenthood that is being created. Through Obamacare, that's an option. Uh, I'm seriously thinking that more Christians should opt for that um, that alternative rather than paying their company sponsored the sponsored insurance, which definitely will take will pluck a dollar per month out of your paycheck to directly fund abortions. And like the
0: video says, it doesn't sound like much,
2: but if you collectively pool everybody's paychecks per month at a dollar each, you will get a large sum of money that will go directly to funding somebody obtaining an abortion. Now, strangely enough, we have a a military that's suffering under a sequester. I mean, for goodness sakes, the White House isn't doing any White House tours because of sequester. Uh, I mean, what a big sham this is. We won't fund our military, but we will fund abortions. I'm not exactly sure what is more a heinous crime, people who are getting killed in Syria because of chemical weapons, or our government actively forcing people, its own citizens, to pay for abortions, dismembering children in the womb, disemboweling children in the womb. Sucking their brains out in the womb. I'm not exactly sure which is worse. I think they aren't, shouldn't be compared. They are both heinous crimes. How can we, on one hand, even think our government leaders even think of of, of hypocritically decrying how unjust oh the Syri- Syrian regime is treating children? Oh the children! Oh the children! and on the other hand right here in our own backyards support and demand and mandate that people give their money to ending the lives of unborn children or preborn children that to me i mean hypocrisy doesn't even begin it doesn't even begin to describe uh this level of and if I say cognitive dissonance, it doesn't even begin. Cognitive dissonance does not even begin to describe what's happening here. Sheer hypocrisy doesn't even begin to describe what's happening here. But you, America, thanks to Obamacare, you, America, now get to subsidize abortion with your paychecks. So I say if you are a believer, or if even if you are not, and you have a conscience about ending the lives of the future generation of Americans, find a way. This, is, this, above anything else, you know, is worth sitting down and getting arrested for, if it comes to that. If it comes to that, what are we going to do to say that we're not going to pay for death? We're not going to support the party of death. And we are not going to ch- kill and support and kill innocent lives. I mean, if it's so bad for Syria, then by golly, it's bad for America, as we have said all along. So as we, uh, we weigh our options, and you know, personally we are going through this too in our own house, We're going through this debate whether or not to choose this or that insurance, whether or not to stick with our employer, whether or not to change over to something else. That is the reality in our house. So I'm not asking anybody to do something I'm not willing to do myself. So God help us as we make those decisions. And um, God really help us if we decide to shrug our shoulders and live with the status quo. Because, you know, evil succeeds. When good men do nothing. I think I think that's be, uh, proved beyond a shadow of a doubt to be
9: a true statement.
2: So, um, what did I say I was going to get to other than that? Other than that. All right. <clears throat> I didn't have, I did not have a stupidest thing ever today, but... We're going to take a break so I can find one because I know that you appreciate those things, and I sure appreciate those things. So we will be right back after this simple. I did find something, it is related It is very much related to what I was talking about earlier When we started the show talking about the war in Syria Now, here's the thing This issue about a war in Syria and and wanting to attack Syria Crazy, 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 isn't it? It was so crazy that back in 2008 our wonderful Vice President Joe Biden decided to beat Mitt Romney over possibly wanting to attack Syria. Oh, flashback. This is a flashback. And I want you to hear this. Oh, let's play our Joe Biden beat song. Don't make All right, Vice President Joe Biden said of Mitt Romney during the uh, during the presidential election in 2008 that Mitt Romney is ready to go to war in Syria and Iran while hurting the middle class. The warning came during a campaign stop in New York, Pennsylvania, designed to promote President Barack Obama's economic policies among white working-class voters. The thrust of Biden's pitch has been that America is digging out from the 2008 economic collapse and that Romney would take the country backwards. I'm sorry, did I say 2008? I I meant the article this was said by Joe Biden in 2012. I apologize. But Biden, a foreign policy heavyweight, also cautioned voters that Romney would adopt policies that favor confrontation over cooperation. He said it was a mistake to end the war in Iraq and bring all of our warriors home, Biden said of Romney. He said it was a mistake to set an end date for our warriors in Afghanistan and bring them home. He implies by that speech he's ready to go to war in Syria and Iran. Biden made the claim about Syria and Iran without offering specifics. His campaign did not immediately respond to a request for details, and he did not seem... He did not use similar language on Syria and Iran at a later stop in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Well, yes, Vice President Biden, you were shooting off your mouth, off the cuff, as usual. This is something that we love so much about you because you do it all the time, which is why you're muzzled most of the time. But you've done it. And we've recorded it, and thanks to the power of the Internet is Forever, we're able to come back and show you that if it wasn't for Joe Biden saying it was such a bad idea for Mitt Romney, we wouldn't have him saying today that it was such a good idea for President Obama to do the same thing. So it is the stupidest thing ever, but, you know, it's Joe Biden. It's always the stupidest thing ever for him. Thank you for uh thank you for listening to Pro Life Friday's radio today. I thank you for being my wonderful audience. Mine and Thomas's and Melissa's. Stay with us. Stay with us. What am I trying to say? Stay with us for next week. We are going to have another wonderful broadcast with wonderful guests. Uh, we will be talking about Iran, actually. Uh, thank you, Joe Biden, for bringing that up. And we will uh, be walking through just how the Middle East is fraught with pro life issues that need to be talked about as pro life issues. And again, let me reiterate for all the world to hear that pro life issues such as abortion, such as war, such as chemical. Attacks Such as all of these things Terrorism, these are pro-life issues These are pro-life issues They're not just social issues We talk about them every day They should not be shoved under the rug They should not be stabbed In the back over From one politician to the next They should not be told They should not be regarded By our leaders In office As things that are unimportant Because they directly affect they directly affect our country's economics, they directly affect our policies. And that's why they're not simply social issues. Social issues are public issues and they are worth talking about. So, as I take our leave for today, I'm going to leave you with Joe Biden's theme song. Woohoo, you're going to hear it until you hear it in your sleep. It's wonderful. We're going to play it every time we can. <laughs> See you later,
8: everybody. Good night. (laughs) Father gentleman Gentlemen.